You're listening to the Religion and Fiction Podcast. A podcast for people interested in the intersection of the sacred and story. Offering insight, inspiration, and a bit of entertainment for the journey. I'm your host, Jeremy Bauma, a former pastor and theologian who writes stories under J.A. Bauma. Stories that offer entertaining escape as well as insightful inspiration for the journey. In this episode, we're going to take a little different tack than we have in the past weeks and engage the historical and literary context of one of the most best-selling religious fiction series ever. You probably read it and heard about it. Stay tuned. Hey, Religious Fiction readers, this is episode 16 of the Religion and Fiction podcast, and I'm super grateful that you've come to take a listen. As I mentioned in the intro, I am also super excited to launch into a what I think will be three-week little series diving into one of the most best-selling religious fiction series ever. One of the designs I have for this religion and fiction site is to explore the intersection of the sacred and story. I've done a little bit of that with other books in my two religion and fiction book clubs, beginning with C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And then I looked at my own series, diving into the religious elements of a spiritual coming-of-age story. Well, I want to take it deeper and explore some more of the historical and literary and theological context of, as I mentioned, one of the best-selling religious fiction series ever. It's actually sold 80 million copies over 16 books in this apocalyptic series. If you haven't guessed yet, that apocalyptic series is called the Left Behind series. Raise of hands for those who have read the book. And then those who haven't, that would be me, actually, (laughs) which is a bit odd because this book was targeted towards my tribe of evangelicals. And I grew up in a context that generally held to the theology that is presented about the end times in this series. But I actually didn't read it and haven't up until the last few weeks in which I picked up Left Behind in preparation for this little mini podcast series, but also as I wrapped up my own End Time series called End Times Chronicles. I mentioned last week that I'm launching a Kickstarter of this campaign. You can go get the details at endtimesworld.com. And the reason why I didn't read the book was because I really didn't have much interest in fiction when it came out, and I didn't want to read it leading up to writing my own series because I wanted it to be my own and not uh, influenced by this other wildly popular apocalyptic religious fiction series. I also didn't read it because it espouses a theological view of the end times that diverges from my own take and interpretation of the book of Revelation, one that is a bit theologically innovative 
when you consider the history of the church and the way that it has understood the end times and the interpretation of the book of Revelation. That conversation will happen next week when I dive deeper into the theology of the Left Behind series. But one of the most intriguing aspects, I think, of this book left behind, and the series is its historical and literary context. I was clued in to both with a fabulous book by Daniel Silliman, who wrote Reading Evangelicals, How Christian Fiction Shaped a Culture and a Faith. My dear wife bought me this for Christmas last year and devoured it as a avid Christian fiction writer, and also as a sort of Christian fiction reader. Truth be told, I really don't read a whole lot of Christian fiction uh, because of many of the interesting insights that Silliman brings out as he unpacks the evangelical subculture's relationship with literature and particularly uh, certain series and kinds of fiction that arose during the 90s and the 2000s. In this book, a whole chapter is devoted to the Left Behind series, and I wanted to use it as sort of a base to explore the intersection of the sacred and story with apocalyptic religious fiction. Why, you ask? Because it feels very apocalyptic these days, given the last few years with the corona crazy, the war in Ukraine, the financial calamity now swirling around us. And I've actually seen an increased interest in the Left Behind series. And because I just finished my own series, I wanted to read the book and to see how it compared and contrasted and dive deeper into insights that surround how the series came about, particularly when it was written almost 30 years ago, and why it was written for its particular time and its particular audience. Because as an author, I find those details very interesting, knowing that I myself am writing in a particular context, historically, and writing to a particular audience. But, you know, as a reader, I also find these things fascinating, to know what was going on in the culture and in the head of those authors as they birthed their literary baby. So without further ado, here is the literary sort of historical context to one of the most popular and best-selling religious fiction series ever. All right, so in examining and exploring The way that this series intersects the sacred and story, we need to go back to the context of the series' start. And that would bring us to the early to mid-90s. I was born 1980, and so this was my childhood. And I remember exactly what happened. The wall came down between East and West Germany. The Soviet Union collapsed. We had a war, the first one, in Iraq. We had the United Nations gaining power and influence in the world, the establishment of the European Union, and eventually the widespread adoption of the euro throughout that collection of nations. And, of course, there was 9-11 and the second Iraq invasion. Why do I bring all this up? Well, because the series, 
launched in 1995 and went clear through the early to mid-2000s and relies quite a bit on these historical touch points to create a sense of atmosphere and setting for the Left Behind book. Now, this is not surprising because every author does this, and that's because every book is rooted in a historical context, right? Take the Star Wars franchise, or at least the original ones, uh, numbers four, five, and six, which should really be one, two, and three in my opinion. Uh, But so New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Of course, the Empire is labeled this evil empire with imperial designs and the whole galaxy, which had direct connections to the same imperial designs of the USSR. Labeled the evil empire by Ronald Reagan. Then you have Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale, which I might actually do an episode on because I find that to be a fascinating deep dive into a other religious apocalyptic fiction or dystopian rather, but from another angle. But regardless, you have Atwood writing in the middle of the 80s, this uh, sort of feminist manifesto that comes on the heels of Reagan's election, bolstered by the moral majority and its goals of eliminating abortion rights in America, and its rise to prominence and power thanks to that election. And I bring this up because, again, Fiction or stories broadly are rooted in a historical context. And the same is true of the Left Behind series coming out in the middle of the 90s leading up to the turn of the century. And many of the major pieces to the setting of this series are connected to what rises historically around it. You have conspiracies of global one-world power and a global one-world currency, thanks to the United Nations and the EU and the Euro. And of course, the collapse of the Soviet Union and the ascendant Russia as a major superpower that had massive designs on its place within the broader international community and the economic community and its challenge to the United States as the sole superpower. Of course, that's playing out in many ways right now in Eastern Europe. And it was also hot in the minds of a whole lot of evangelicals who saw Russia as biblical fulfillment of one of those superpowers coming against Israel as prophesied in the book of Ezekiel chapter 38, as some of these proponents of a certain brand of theology known as dispensationalism and pre-tribulation, pre-millennialism. We'll get into more of that next week as I unpack a lot of the, the theological backdrop to this popular series. But needless to say, there's a whole lot going on historically that fed the imagination of Tim LaHaye and his partner Jerry Jenkins, who hold to a particular vein of evangelicalism and its views on the end times. And all of this, Russia, the collective one-world community, the the one-world currency— is all wrapped up in the Left Behind series. Not 
meaning to give away uh, spoilers if you haven't read it yet. Uh, but early on, that is the foundation to what sparks much of the conflict and the intrigue of the story of the first book, Left Behind. Not only are people left behind, uh, which gets into the theological backdrop and implications of the story, uh, resting on a particular understanding of the end times, where there is a rapture of true Christian believers and those who are not are left behind, hence the title of the book and the series. But alongside that is this enigmatic figure, Nikolai Carpathia, and this plot to bring all of the world currencies together, as well as the global community into a one world government. Now, if this sounds overly conspiratorial, that is true, <laughs> and there's a reason for that, uh, because as Daniel Silman brings out in his perspective on the series, but especially his perspective on the authors. Tim LaHaye was part of a society that was rather conspiratorial itself. As Silman explains, he writes, LaHaye was also a member of the John Birch Society, a secretive far-right, his words, group, opposed to communism and what it held to be the conspiracy behind the conspiracy of communism. A few high-level birchers were active in his church, and LaHaye became a close friend with the organization's second president, Georgia Congressman Larry McDonald. LaHaye called himself a student of conspiracy theories and said he believed the Illuminati manipulated world events from behind the scenes. LaHaye spoke at John Birch's training seminars and appeared in John Birch's promotional films in the early 60s, explaining why conservative Christians had to get involved in politics. As he quotes him, if we don't stop the advance of communism, he said, none of us will be free to preach the gospel. Now, I find this very fascinating as a reader, but also an author, knowing that I myself have biases and worldview perspectives that I bring into my own writing. And looking back on the Left Behind series and some of the motivations of Tim LaHaye as a pastor and Jerry Jenkins as a writer, it's interesting to note this background because it lends to a, an understanding of the motives behind writing the series to begin with. And what in those motives, uh, goals, was to get Christians more involved politically. As Silman writes, uh, for LaHaye, the compelling need to evangelize was also a compelling reason to get involved in politics. If time is short, the need to spread the gospel is urgent, and the liberty necessary to preach the gospel at home and abroad is a top priority. Evangelicals informed by their eschatology should be committed to the political work necessary to preserve liberty, whether that meant opposing increased taxes and increased regulation, decrying the growth of government, or supporting a strong, hawkish foreign policy. Elsewhere, Silman writes that both as a Baptist pastor and as a political activist, he thought end times theology was not just right, but also powerful. The idea of the rapture, imagining it, picturing it, and thinking how it could happen at any moment really affected people. It moved them and mobilized them. LaHaye believed end times theology motivated evangelicals to evangelize with real fervor, 
He thought it made them become more politically active, and he thought it was effective in converting people to evangelicalism. Now, in commenting on the background and motivations of the authors, I am not doing so to pass judgment by any means. I actually found it quite admirable to know that these authors had goals for their books, that they had goals for their stories, that there was a real motivation and uh, even an agenda, if you will, to present to the reader this clear choice for two separate audiences. Now, what I find fascinating in exploring more of the author's motivation for the series is that there were two very separate audiences that they had in mind, that Tim, particularly as a pastor, had in mind. And that was both a Christian and a non-Christian audience. As an author, that is very close to my own heart. I, I think that I write primarily for spiritually interested people and especially Christians to take them deeper in their faith, but also those who are spiritually interested and struggling with questions about faith, life, and everything in between. That was my motivation for the Order of Thaddeus series, this action-adventure thriller exploring different aspects of Christianity and, and different beliefs through relics and objects of the faith. That's somewhat my motive with my own End Time series, presenting to believers what it will be like to endure the events of the book of Revelation, the apocalypse, and the rise of the Antichrist, but also to spiritually interested people to explore what the end is going to present to all people, whether believer or not. And that's exactly what Tim and Jerry in the Left Behind series present to these two different audiences. And that is this concept of choice, choosing Christ or not. And while there are these historical and even political elements to the backdrop of the Left Behind series, it's really a drama about belief and the necessity of being honest about your beliefs and being deliberate about your beliefs. As a Christian, living for Christ or not, and not just going through the motions, showing up at church, reading Bible and prayer, uh, but actually really taking discipleship seriously and your walk with Christ seriously, because in the theology of the left behind, uh, the rapture is part of this theological backdrop, which reveals the truth of this choice. Uh, people who thought they were believers, actual Christians, were left behind in the rapture because they weren't actual Christians. In fact, there's a guy, a pastor, who, a Pastor Barnes, who shows up in the book because even though he was on staff at a church, he apparently wasn't actually a Christian, according to the narrative. And so for the one audience, there is this concept of choice and to to live as if your relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship you have. And to take discipleship seriously, take your walk with Christ seriously, and also take evangelism seriously. Because if there is this moment when the world is going to face the consequences of their choice, then sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and all that he means for people, his life, death, resurrection, 
right, living the life we could not live, paying the price on the cross for our sins, a penalty we should have paid but couldn't, taking that on himself and being raised again to new life for our own benefit, if that is all real, then we should be sharing that with the world. Because when Christ returns, again, according to that rapture theology, then those who haven't made that choice will be left behind. Of course, that is the second audience that these authors envisioned when they wrote this book, and those are unbelievers. And two of the main characters, Rayford Steele and Buck Williams, embody that uh necessity of choice. Because as the book opens, Rayford Steele, who is the pilot of this big jumbo jet, discovers that he's missing a whole lot of his passengers. In fact, their clothes are left behind. They're False teeth and fillings in their mouth and other things are left behind uh, as these bodies were disapparated because of Christ uh, calling them before the Great Tribulation. And then Williams, Buck Williams, is a reporter who then begins to investigate this global conspiracy and the rise of this enigmatic figure who later becomes the Antichrist uh, down the road in the 13-book the series. And as a journalist, he's wondering what happened, and he's asking all sorts of questions. Uh, how is this possible, and what is the explanation for this very stark, obvious event that affected millions of people that you could not turn a blind eye from. There was either a yes or no answer to this question. And backing up a bit again to this historical context surrounding this novel, one of the major cultural features that begins a large ascendancy is secularism, pluralism, and relativism. All of that which has bloomed massively with the advent of the internet and uh, social media in particular and a general exposure to new ideas and other ideas besides Christianity. And for these authors, particularly the pastor Tim LaHaye, these presented existential threats to the American culture and, and American Christianity. Around the same time these books published, you also had a number of so-called apologetic books, one of which was Evidence That Demands a Verdict, and that was sort of the gold standard during that era for presenting the sort of hard and fast yes or no evidence that supported the veracity of the gospel and Christianity. There was also this rise of the influence of C.S. Lewis, who also became this very sort of gold standard for evangelical arguments in his Mere Christianity book for the truthfulness and the exclusivity of the Christian worldview to answer life's burning questions. All that to say, these authors are writing in a cultural context with a particular motivation, and that is to present to readers this choice, either a yes or no to Jesus in the midst of a rise in other possible truths. Because if Jesus is true, that he died for the sins of the world, that he rose again bodily, physically, actually, and ascended to the right hand of God and is waiting to return to take his people home, 
to fight the final fight, to bring judgment, and to make all things new again without sin and without sinners, well, then that presents a whole lot of problems for a whole lot of other so-called truths that are rising all around us, which demands a certain allegiance, doesn't it, to either Christ or to not Christ, (laughs) or in the case of the book of Revelation and in the Left Behind series, the Antichrist. As an author, as a former pastor who cares deeply about people's spiritual journeys, and as someone who has authored a very similar, though very different, end time series, I really appreciate these authors' desires to get two different audiences thinking about their allegiance. Is their allegiance to Christ purely, or is it split? Is their allegiance to Christ at all? Because at the end of the day, when the events of the book of Revelation begin to unfold, when the scrolls are wrapped up, the final seal is broken, and those trumpets begin sounding, unfolding the apocalyptic great tribulation events, leading to the bowls of judgment overturning before Jesus Christ finally returns to make all things new. That choice is crucial for believers as well as non-believers. It's interesting because if you think about the historical context of our own era in which truth is totally up in the air and every possible truth is given equal playing field as potential truths and we no longer can even say what is true. (laughs) You think about the most basic truth of reality and nature, man and woman, and how we can no longer say what is man and what is woman. Those have been deconstructed down to nothingness. And there's now this interesting hierarchy of power and control over the language that is used surrounding this most basic truth. And either you subscribe to it or you don't. You subscribe to Christ's narrative surrounding the identities of men and women, or you subscribe to the current narratives concept of men and women, the deconstructed concept, right? And in my own series, I've used this cultural context and cultural conflict to raise very similar questions about choice for believers in the midst of the superheated debate surrounding narrative and whether or not you subscribe to the regime's narrative surrounding what is real and what is not. In the same way, I think I present the same sort of choice that non-believers are going to have to make during this season of chaos and destruction and judgment. A few of my characters come to that same moment of Hey, what does this mean for me that I am given a choice to either submit to Jesus Christ as King and Lord or to the prevailing regime? What does it look like for believers to actively resist this uh, regime that rises up, that changes the narrative about what is real and what isn't? How do we exist as a remnant of believers when all of the people who have 
sort of claimed the name of Christ begin to change and to capitulate and to accommodate the regime's narrative in order to survive, in order to keep their job or to avoid unnecessary social media backlash. I think the kids call it canceling nowadays, right? (laughs) And there's some of that in there. Uh, Characters are fearful of being canceled, but in a very different way, uh, as well as being hauled off to reprogramming camps where they are forced to submit to the regime's narrative. So all this to say, I I identify a lot with what Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins are trying to accomplish in their series, understanding that it came out of a particular historical context in the same way that my own passion project for helping believers navigate these end times days, understand what it means to live in light of the end. Now, where I differ and disagree is the theological context of both of our series, which we will get to in the next episode. Thanks again for joining me on the Religion and Fiction podcast, exploring a little bit of the literary and historical context of the Left Behind series. Join us next week as we take things deeper by diving deep into the theological context of this apocalyptic series. And if you'd like an alternative take to these events of the Book of Revelation, join Alexander Zarouk and the Resistance in my End Times Chronicle series. Get details at endtimesworld.com. Thanks again for listening. Happy reading.